0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information go to allthews.3cr.org.au Diaspora Blues acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past and present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you're hearing us from.
1: So every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Ayan. Welcome to Diaspora Blues on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. It's Monday, August 24th, and I'm Big Wachua. What did happiness mean for me? Happiness for me not an extension from my loved ones, which seemed to be the only way I saw myself. Who was I outside the entanglements of familial relationships? That luscious line is from Adut Walsh's piece called 2020 Vision. Adut was part of the FCAC rights series curated by me. So it only made sense that I reach out to my friend who's an incredible writer to unpack the lessons behind 2020 Vision. As usual, You'll hear Barstow's gorgeous selection of songs. We'll also talk about the Disability Royal Commission that is in progress at the time of this recording. BDS Australia is hosting an online forum featuring boycott, divestment and sanctions. BDS co-founder Omar Barghouti on Saturday, August twenty-nine at 7.30pm. Joining Omar will be First Nations scholars Amy McGuire and Professor Tony Birch, as well as Palestinian Australians Dr. Randa Abdel-Fateh and Ms. Hebervara. They'll be discussing the shared experience of dispossession, state-based discrimination and racism, and how to counter it. Details can be found at bdsaustralia.net.au. That's bdsaustralia.net.au. Boycott Divestment Sanctions BDS Australia is part of the global effort to end support for Israel's oppression of Palestinians and pressure Israel to comply with international law. More details at bdsaustralia.net.au.
2: And Australia is a 3CR supporter.
1: This week, I chat to Adutwal, a writer, poet, talented hairstylist, and a dear friend. We talk about the opportunities for growth as emerging writers, family, and well-being. Notably, Adut was a contributor for the anthology Growing Up African in Australia, and more recent, wrote a piece for FCAC Writes called 2020 Vision. FCAC Writes is an online literary project I curated. You are a contributor to growing up African Australia. Recently, you also contributed to a, a literary project that I was curating, which is really exciting. And can you tell us what it is you, you wrote and what the title of that piece is called?
3: It was um, a summary of how, I guess, my 2019 ended and how 2020 began, to be honest. My seeing as psychic and my hopes and dreams of how 2020 was supposed to go, how it didn't go.
1: 2020 vision. I really liked the title because I think there was a vision folks had for their 2020. And certainly it's been a really unpredictable year and a lot has happened um so much it, it's been a really really tough year for for us all so was it difficult because you wrote quite a personal experience why did that come up as something you wanted to discuss in this particular piece
3: a lot of us were really hopeful for like 2020 i don't know like there was just a big thing about 2020 oh my goodness 2020 is gonna be the year 2020 is gonna be the year and i was just like you know what i was like I need to share with people. Like, 2020, you know, I was looking forward to 2020 as well. You know, it was it was going to be like an eventful year, apparently, according to my and my sidekick. It was just, I don't know, a piece to share, to let everybody know. You guys thought COVID-19 was it? Let me tell you guys about me.
1: Is it hard sharing really vulnerable um, experiences
3: about ourselves? Like, I don't know how to explain it, but... I personally feel like that experience wasn't as vulnerable. I don't know. I just didn't think it was, like, very, very personal. Like, if I don't know. You had asked, oh, dude, why don't you write about your romantic life and how, you know, 2019, 2020 were going with you. I would like, there's not enough money in the world. Thank you very much. This was just like, you know, like medical experience. It's, just, it's something that happens to all of us. I feel like that's what um a lot of my writing is I guess like or is about. It's just like relatable things. So in a way yeah. you've
1: shared it safely. Yeah. Yeah. Writing is um is really, really Um, a vulnerable experience and I also see it sometimes as um, people really giving us an insight into who they are and where they're at and um, sometimes it's also just the imaginings and, you know, the things they want to be. What's been your experience so far as a writer? What kind of writer do you want to be? Or what kind of Uh, writer do you sort of envision you are at the moment or want to move into?
3: um, Well, I can't tell you what writer i like wanna envision myself to be but like I can see what writer I would like to be. And what's that? I don't know. Just somebody that inspires people, you know? Someone people like pick up a book like, oh yeah, this there's some good stuff. I enjoyed reading this because it made me feel better about myself. It made me realize I'm not alone. Stuff like that.
1: Who are writers that make you feel like that? Well,
3: the one time I decided this is, like, when you mentioned how, like, um, writing is a very, like, vulnerable thing. I think um I remember there was a time where, like, "Who's was going through some shit. And I was like, you know what? Let me try and read this book, see how I go. So I think I started reading a bunch of, like, Toni Morrison stuff. And, yeah, the healing process did not go so well. But I don't know. I really enjoyed reading her because, like, there was no a tree and blah, 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 and then it builds into some weird romantic shit. And then it was just like, just straight action from the beginning all the way to the end. And I really, I like that shit. That was nice.
1: I find that Toni's work really holds all the complexities of um, black experience, black women's experiences. Um, Mm -hmm. In some of her books, she talks about, you know, being a dark-skinned girl and the complexities Mm -hmm. of that, right? And sort of mm. the different messages you're hearing from the world and from your family. And then you're sort of inner a dialogue as well. And yeah. she does it in a really potent way. Yeah. And I remember there was one book where to the very last word, I was just <laughs> distraught. Good in, good. A, <laughs> um, in this really quite refreshing way. And this really quite this way that I felt I was being reflected. And it was like a living life in these words. And Tony is incredible, period. So I I don't know if I've ever really made time to um, to write down exactly how how her work hits me. So I think that's massive. I mean, Tony is incredible in so many
3: ways. But also like worries me or scares me sometimes about writing is how like when I say things become very, like, extremely relatable, it's like, if you look at Tony's work, you're like, this was happening back in your time, and that's happening again in my time. That shit scares me.
1: Right. No, I hear you. Yeah, yeah I hear you. Um, and yeah. you're not alone, but also this has been happening for a long time, and also seeing yeah. different iterations of it. What book do you wish, or what something you wish you knew
3: or had when you were young? Um, To me, right now, like, but I've started to, like, realize slowly, like, we don't have a lot of um, South Sudanese books in Australia, like, or, like, South Sudanese growing up, and uh, what it's like growing up in Australia, and I think I would have liked to read it, I would have loved to have some, to be honest, because it's like, there's been a lot of South Sudanese living in Australia for a very, very, very long time, and, like, it's like, there's nothing, you can't, you don't. There's not that much writing at all about him. I think. Yeah, I agree with you. It would have been a nice. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not warning, but like a, a nice. What's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a nice background to Australia, basically. Like, oh, guess what? This is how I went when I first arrived in Australia, and blah blah blah.
1: You know what's really interesting do it? Um, mm-hmm. We our families probably arrived around the same time amongst yeah. other families. I feel like we were part of that kind of really big wave of arrivals. And mm. so it's like we were arriving. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what <laughs> I want to say. Um, and 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 so like at the same time, I feel like there is, but I think they're from a very particular lens, from a very mm. particular vantage point. And whether mm. it's an editor or the publishers or whoever mm. it is, it's it's from their, from their interest point, right? From a white interest point. And so yeah. I find that it's got this very, it's laced with that very NGO, we were refugees. Do you know what I mean? And the, yes. the thing is, and I think it's our generation and even those under us, is that we went through that experience, but some of us were too young to have that lived, that, that memory. Mm. right so maybe your memory begins not begins but like Be do you know what yeah. I mean like what are stories yes. yes that's happened but like complexity nuance is missing mm. and for me that then then you're missing right and I remember um I had a relative of mine who was really really young I think maybe there were three when you know we arrived or something like that very young and they they didn't even know we arrived as refugees. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't they're like right. So it's it's just really interesting that there's also that distance and also a lack of conversation among our families about that yeah. journey. And it could do with just the fact that people are in survival mode, right? Yeah. And you don't have time to sit and talk and, you know, figure out there's yeah. no peace of mind. You're trying to feed your family. You're trying to, you know, work things out. You don't speak the language, whatever. So I think, um, in terms of complexity around stories, that's completely missing. And I've seen yeah. a few books recently around, you know, being a lost boy, and but it's like, okay, that's one, that's one experience, yeah, right. And that's not ours, right? Yeah. And so, w- where is the room for the mundane? And you know, I really. I really loved kind of, um, your conversation about Ribena in your piece. It's so true. Ribena (laughs) was, it it was, it a vitamin C that that it was was supposed to have besides all the sugar. Or if you scraped yourself, you know, they would put perfume and it's like perfumes actually say, don't put on an open wound, (laughs) you know? So those, those things, you know, um, I was actually really pondering on this the other day and I was thinking how for example we didn't take traditional food to school. Yeah. Like that's that's not an experience I have. Or, yeah. you know, for example, I didn't have I didn't go to language school. Do you know what I mean? So there's so much complexity yeah. around that. Um, and so much nuance and you know, what type of yogurt we all somehow ended up buying or our moms <laughs> bought. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. So what do you what do you think about that? What do you think about those kind of things that, you know, maybe we now look back on and go, actually, there's significant memory here. There's significant stories here. Do you look back on your life or how are you kind of finding ways to express your story?
3: I don't know. I feel like a lot of the time, like, when I write, it's not like I'm just, like, writing about random stuff. It's like I am writing from, like, a particular memory, I think. I think from... Um, my first pieces in or growing up African in Australia sort of I don't know like I just sat there and looked at my family and I'm like ah I bet let me just write about like I don't know what it's been like to observe them all these years and just like relying on my memory of like just basic things that they did or we did I don't know I'm not sure if that answers anything at all Did you just ask?
1: <laughs> no I think it does I think it definitely does um those things are a part of story and certainly memory is a big big part of that that's something i in kind of my work i try to to look at cuz my memory is not very great i try to look at what it is i remember and why i remember those things yeah definitely. that's something i'm you know for example things that maybe we took photographs of yeah. i remember them but is it because a photographs exists or because the stories are retold so many times that's a whole nother thing, <laughs> but you're, you're a firstborn of, is it seven? Seven. yeah. Amazing. Uh, responsibility to the skies. Right. So we know what that experience is like. Yeah. Has that impacted your writing and your viewpoint? And also how hard has it been to carve your own identity to carve your own space to kind of think and grow and contemplate. And, you know, you've kind of um, geographically in a different place as well. Um, Mm. What has that been like?
3: I don't know if it's an African people thing or like a South Sudanese people thing particularly, but like being a first born daughter has to be like, one of the worst job positions you could ever, it's not really a job position you apply for, but it's just like a job that just handed to you and like, ah, firstborn daughter, guess who's the second mom? That's you. So I sort of like became like a second mom to like all my siblings. And it's like, I think growing up, it's like, you don't really like see yourself away from your family. You're like, we're a unit, the end of story. So I think like the first time I realized, mom actually was like 27 years old when she had like seven of us. I think during my, I don't know, crisis time of discovering I had diabetes was the first time like I just like sat down and just like cried about nonsense and like I remember dad calling like why are you crying you don't cry and I'm like because I have nothing I have nothing I'm like you know I just started. to like I do nothing in my life and I'm like 27 years old and I've done nothing I'm like what is going on like I think I, I started comparing myself to where mom was when mom was my age and I'm like what exactly have I achieved in my life I think that's one of the most toxic things to, I don't know, ever appear, I guess, out of my thoughts. When you start to, like, see yourself as an individual, you're like, wait a minute, what have I done as an individual? Because everything I've always done was, like, always, like, with my siblings. Ah, we're doing this with my siblings. Ah, this sibling, siblings, what do you like to do? Watch my siblings play sports. So it wasn't like, yeah. Until like I moved to Dallas, I'm like, holy shit, I'm by myself now. What do I do by myself?
1: Yeah, it's really, really tricky and like really, really difficult. And I like how you said that it does really feel like a job. It is a, mm. a it is, you know. And again, it's that unrecognized labor, right? That's something mm. you've been doing for a really long time, but it's it's unrecognized. It's um, it's not really um. I don't want to say it amounts to nothing, but you know what I mean? I guess you spend all that time doing for others and doing for family. And at the same time there's this pressure like, okay, what 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 you know, where are you at with school, where are you at mm. with your life in terms of, you know, work. And we live in a highly racialized society and, you know, getting work, even your your mental health and your mental well being is like attacked mm. all the time by everything. Yeah. you know and then you've got sort of you trying to figure out what it's you know who you are and your space as a as a as a daughter as a part of your family and then you've got kind of the outer world of Korea and then the inner world of yourself right they're all interconnected mm-hmm. but um, I think it's not easy it's not easy being black it's not easy being a woman it's not easy being dark skin. you know mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of that complexity and what what do you think what do you think is missing um, in in the way literature and the art sector is right now in terms of supporting Black writers, in terms of supporting African writers? Where do you think there is there is a gap? Or because sometimes we don't even know there's a gap, we don't know what we don't know.
3: Yeah, you know. Yeah. So
1: it's like really really difficult. So I'm seeing that I don't see a lot of progression of African writers. Yeah. in terms of, like, their their career or their skill or even opportunities, you know? Yeah. So what what do you think about
3: that? I think for me personally, it comes back to, like, um, when people are like, oh, you're a writer, like, I don't recognize myself as a writer because I feel like I haven't mounted to, like, a like significant, like, thing, if you know what I mean. And I feel like it's because a lot of the time it's like, People, when I write, I write out of, I see it as luxury. It's, I'm like, writing to like, ah, I'm writing because I have time to write, because I finished working my job. It's going to pay me to live, rah rah rah. And I just feel like when you decide to make yourself a full time writer, it becomes completely different because you're living off that. And I feel like right now, as writers, it's really difficult to just be a writer. And I feel like, myself I find it very hard to be like I'm going to put myself to become a writer full stop Um, how do you get funding for that like there's no job you can apply for to be like ah I'm applying to be a writer and I'm going to write these stories and you're going to pay me to write these stories like how do you where do you find those kind of things
1: yeah, for sure. I hear you. Um, yeah, I hear you. And even kind of knowing what exists, even knowing how to navigate yeah. that, and
3: we know there's
1: yeah. gatekeeping, like nobody's business, right?
3: Yeah, so- like if you hadn't told me about the the writing thing, like I would not have known. Like I just move on about myself. Like, and you see, like this, there's, there's just writing that comes up all the time, and it's sort of like ah, disappeared out of thin air, but it didn't. There needs to be like a oh, a way to like advertise things better to black be like, uh oh, these are for writers these are for you to write properly instead of just like whatever it is that they're doing now where like you can't actually see what's available
1: i i agree i mean there's all these organizations that have you know fellowships and all these different things but the yeah. relationships aren't there with our communities yeah. right And um, you also have particular people who, you know, maybe have websites or whatever, where they're a bit closer to the gate. Do you know what I mean? And so they're the ones who get called on, you know, every time an opportunity comes up, you're a friend of mine and I also work with you, you know? And so in terms of relationship, in terms of like there's trust, between yeah. us and I also work with other people where there is trust. And yeah. so how do institutions build relationships with people and how do they build trust? And what are those yeah. rigid boundaries that they've put around opportunities? Yeah. And also when the opportunities come, are you ready when you've been experiencing lack of, how yeah. can you actually access it? You know? So I think there's so many different things there. Um, and I've also really learned from this process and you can let me know what you think as well. Not that I'm like, you know, I'm still learning also as an editor, but in a curator, I'm seeing the importance of black people throughout the processes of writing. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing how important an editor is, you know, I'm so it's just really, it's, I, I mean, we, we've known this, but it's just, it was just such a stark, um, mm-hmm. stark experience for me because the way I was receiving for, um, sort of these stories for me, it was like people were being generous with them with, with for me, you know, and to share. And I was just really grateful. I feel like it was a person where I was just really grateful, um, to, to facilitate space and to support that. And I hope to do more of that. What do you hope, 2021 to be like
3: oh man I really hope these borders open up (laughs) and dream big dream really big I just feel like I need fresh air I don't know how to explain it even though like I'm outside and I go to work every day I just feel like I'm still very very stuck I need to get out of Australia to get I don't know fresh air come back with new vision see where my life is going to me whenever I move around it helps with my writing because it helps clear my mind brings me new ideas because it helps to centre myself. So I really hope 2021 opens the borders because we need to write. Thank
1: you, Adutwal, for sharing your thoughts, your stories and your journey with us.
0: So for last week's show, I did, I did a little story, you know, I covered an album that was previously unreleased by you know an r&b artist and i had fun i thought that was great so for this week i want to i want to do the same kind of thing um so Emma Lou from manchester uh released a three-part ep not too long ago this was in 2018 um, many of you may know of her many of you might not um, but not only did she, you know, produce and, and sing and rap and everything on on the EP, but she also produced uh, alongside her sister a three part live movie or music videos for them. Um, so the whole the whole project is like a journey. It's beautiful and yeah that's what i want to play for you guys uh so the three-part ep is called ddd or triple d um and the first track up on that is called tried up once again that's amaloo with her song,
2: tried Up song it could be better i wouldn't even know trying to come cool my bluff when you had your last go when it came for the you make my last show I could call but you get to hang on up Try to try to up and try for me huh I'm tied up I'm tied up tied for me I'm tied up and am up and try for me huh? I'm tied up and tied up uh. Keep it locked down baby Oh, yeah. Was this crowded? I said, Was this crowded? Did you predict how there was darkened? Did you try and see it for me? Cause I and you had me coming no trees. Give It could be better, it could be better It could, it could be better It could be better, it could, it could be better It could be better, it could, it could be better It could be better, I wouldn't even know Try to come my bluff when you had your last call And I'm keen for it, just say you'll make my last show I could call, but you get to hang on Try to, try to, try for me, huh I'm tied up, and tied up, and am tied for me. I'm tried up, I'm tried up, and am tried for me. I'm tied up, I'm tied up, huh? I'm tried up, I'm tried up, and am tried for me. I'm tied up, i tied up, i tied for me. And that
0: was Emma Lou with her song "Tried Up." The Queen Victoria Women's Centre is calling all craftivists to join us and make a fuss. Make a Fuss is a crowdsourced of craftivist project looking for submissions on the theme of women's silence. If you've experienced a time when you didn't want to make a fuss, why not get crafting and make some noise? For more information, go to qvwc.org.au and click on Make a Fuss. Submissions close August 19th. Queen Victoria Women's Centre is a 3CR supporter.
1: Hey, all you mob, it's Dr Mark Winnetong here. Coronavirus has certainly changed the way we live, work and connect. These changes can be hard for some of us and can make us feel no good in our head or
3: spirit, like sad or worried all the time. Some of us might already be dealing with other things like sickness, trauma, and this can make it really hard for us to feel good about anything
1: at the moment. If you're feeling like this, remember, it's okay to ask for help. Have a yarn to someone you trust, like your family or an Aboriginal Trust Round health worker. You can also call Beyond Blue, Lifeline, or the Kids Helpline to talk to someone, or look at some helpful information at headtohealth.gov.au on the internet.
0: A 3CR supporter. And that is a wrap huge thanks to adult world for sharing her courageous self with all of us you can read 2020 vision by going to the footscray community arts center website and pookie's debut single tuesday hits all streaming platforms on the 1st of september i'm so excited for the world to hear that i feel like the world is not ready for pookie Um, besides that some good news we can finally podcast which means you can listen back to this episode and previous shows on our 3CR page at www.3cr.org.au forward slash blues. We'll also share links to articles and readings that inform today's show. Um, and don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram at 3cr.diasporablues. My name is Basta, and we hope you have an amazing week.